0: You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Uh, Genesis chapter one this morning, if you would please. The book of Genesis, chapter number one, a great assertion to start the book of Genesis. A great assertions to uh, assertion to start uh, the Bible. Uh, Genesis 1-1 is where I want to begin And I'm going to try to preach the message that I started to preach last week. And the message I was preaching last week was before the beginning. We're going to read in the beginning this morning, and many of you could probably quote this verse. Uh, It's uh, a simple verse, but I love when I call this verse uh, an assertion. As many of you know, what an assertion is, is it's not, it's, it's just a bold statement. It's saying, this is the deal. Uh, God doesn't go into some great length to say, okay, here's how it happened. Because you know what the Lord allowed? God allowed man to develop. God allowed, number one, His, uh, his creation to speak for Him. But also, it's pretty awesome as time goes on. And the more the, the cool thing is, is we're growing and we're learning more about uh, macrobiology. But the cool thing is, is they're making advancements regularly in microbiology. And the more advancements that are made in science, guess what? The more... Uh, if you want to say proof there is, that there's a creator. Uh, There's a designer because the more you study these things, the more you find out there's a design. And you don't have a design without a designer. Uh, But the Bible says in Genesis 1-1, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you, dear Lord, for this assertion of creation and of who you are. You're a great God. And I'm glad that we can know you today, Lord. I'm glad that I'm not speaking about someone that I don't know. I'm speaking about somebody who's my Savior, who's my friend, who's my Lord and my God uh, through salvation, through the blood of Christ, through the new birth. I can call you Father today. And I thank you for that, Lord. And I pray that you'll help us uh, just for the next few minutes to try to encourage the hearts of your people in, uh, the, in your greatness and in your plan. And we'll thank you, dear Lord, for that, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, uh, you know, one of the things that we could have a hard time getting our minds around is the fact that the Bible teaches us that God is an eternal being. God has always been, God will always be. And you know, we make that statement, but that's a statement that's made for our understanding in time. Because to say that God always was and God always will be, uh, that helps us in our understanding. But the truth of the matter is, when it comes to eternity, eternity always is. You know, it's just like from here to here could be time, the beginning of time, the end of time, and all this is eternity. And so God is everywhere all at once, not in every not only in every place, but in every time as far as we're concerned with time. It's hard for us to grasp this morning. And the Bible's clear about this. Uh, in the way of introduction, I'll give you a few verses. And I'm going to give you a lot of Bible verses this morning, all right, as we preach this message. Uh, so just bear with me. Uh, write, write a few of them down. Write them all down if you can. The first one I'll give you is Romans eleven thirty three, where the Bible says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. I like what the Bible says. I believe it's in the book of, uh, maybe it's in the book of Nahum, where the Bible says how that the clouds are the dust of his feet. Amen. Uh, but Romans uh, eleven thirty three. But then Isaiah fifty five verse nine says, "For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts." First Corinthians two verse fourteen. The Bible says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But then it goes on uh, before that in, uh, in first Corinthians chapter two, but as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. So all this great wisdom, all this great vastness, when the Bible talks about his his ways, the the depth of his riches, it talks about his wisdom, it talks about the unsearchable judgments and his ways past finding out. It talks about this love that is incomprehensible, but here's the great thing, the Bible says that we can grasp it. (laughs) Uh, Even though it's beyond understanding, we can still get a hold of it, we can still experience it. And that's what the Bible's saying here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 9 and 10. It's saying that that as it is written, it's not that eyes not seen. So it's not what you see with your eyes necessarily. We can learn a lot with our eyes and with our ears and with the heart of man, which speaks about our emotions. Uh, but it's not even entered into that all the things that God hath prepared for them to love Him. But in verse ten of 1 Corinthians two, it says, "But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit." For the Spirit searcheth out all things, yea, the deep things of God. So the natural man... See, the Bible talks about a few different distinctions. But in the realm of the spiritual person the bible says there's the natural man the spiritual man and the carnal man when the bible talks about the natural man what it's just simply saying there is uh, the unregenerate man the person that has not been born again is called the natural man and they cannot uh, they cannot they, they don't even get the things uh, the bible says the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of god But then there's the spiritual man. That's the man that is saved. That's the man that has been regenerated. See, because when we're saved by God's grace, the Bible says the Spirit of God Almighty, God's Spirit, God Almighty, moves in on the inside of the child of God. And when he does that, uh, there's a change, made. There's a, there's, there's a light that comes on, amen. I mean, uh, John Newton had it right when he said, I was, uh, once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Because we see some things, and we're uh, obedient to God, and we're walking with God. And then there's the carnal man, and the carnal man is that man that is saved, and carnal... Uh, many of you are familiar with uh, the, the, the carne, the carnus, a carnival, all these different words. Carne, but that speaks of the flesh. It speaks of, uh, uh, of, of people that are walking according to their senses rather than the Spirit, uh, but, but they are still saved. But the point is this. Through the Holy Spirit of God, He's able to reveal to the heart of man these things which we just can't quite really explain. But we know they're true. Amen? Uh, These things that we can experience that are just hard to put into words. There was a great theologian one time that put it this way, sometimes it's better felt than it is All right. Uh, But uh, the, the thing is, is that God reveals these things to us. Now, as I said already, when we think of God in eternity, our understanding and reasoning begin to break down. Before there was anything, there was God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, we've already said. And that is the most profound theological statement found in the Bible. There was never a time when God was not. And there will never be a time when God will not be. He is the eternal one. He is the self-sufficient one. He needs nothing or no one. He knows all. He's everywhere. He can do anything. He is a sovereign God. He is God Almighty. This is our God. And it's hard for us to get that. But in God's foreknowledge, He planned it all. He knew you. And, and, you know, the question that I guess I'm asking as we get to Genesis 1-1, did you know that the Bible tells us things about before Genesis 1-1? The Bible tells us some things about that happened before the beginning. And I can tell you this right now, before uh, you were ever born, He knew about you. Someone once said this, has it ever occurred to you that nothing has occurred to God? Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has uh, occurred to God? He's not surprised. He's not baffled. He's not wringing His hands up in heaven. And by the way, that's one of the reasons we can sing it as well with my soul. Because my soul rests with this God. Amen. My soul rests in good hands. Amen. And if your life and your heart is in God's hands it's in good hands, Amen. And so you can trust God, and you can say, "It's well with my soul." We don't have to understand everything, but one thing we do need to understand, one thing we need to know, is how great this God of ours is. So he uh, he counsels himself; he needs uh, not hear from us. He's never shaken. He's never confused. He does not worry. God knows everything that's going to happen. Uh, before something happens, He knows it. Before uh, before anything happens, He's already prepared. Because before the beginning, God had a plan. And with your, uh, with your attention this morning, I'd like to look at some verses for a moment and marvel at God's infinite wisdom, grace, and love for mankind. And what I hope this morning is that for you, if you're saved this morning, if you're a child of God, you're on your way to heaven and you know it, I want you to be encouraged and reminded about how great this God of yours is. Amen. And if you are not saved, I'd love for you to inter- be introduced to this wonderful Savior of ours. Amen. Because He loves you and He wants to save your soul. Hallelujah! Is that good? Uh, he wants to save your soul today, and so uh, He loves every man, woman, and child uh, that has ever lived or ever will live. Amen. And may God help us to have the heart of Christ. Help us to love this world. Amen. Love the people of this world. Pardon me. Try to reach the people of this world. With the gospel. And by the way, uh, you know, Michael mentioned uh, befriending people. Uh, and I'm telling you, man, that's one of the greatest ministries that we can have. I mean, one of the greatest ministries that we can have is finding a way to get involved in people's lives, finding a way to spend time with people, love people. I mean, just genuinely care for people. You know what Jesus did? Jesus spent time among the people. Uh, man, man, here I go. I'm about to go preach another message again. Uh, see, I've, I've, got, I've, got a t- I've got a list of messages and things and thoughts on my heart that I want to preach. And sometimes I just try to preach them all at once. But, but I was just thinking about how that we need to be an evangelist. And that does speak about sharing the gospel, sharing the truth, sharing what it means to be saved. But I'm telling you, you look at what Jesus did. Jesus ate with folks. You know that's an evangelistic tool people meet, forget about? He ate with people. He ate with them. He was among them. Jesus was among the people. He was. And I'm telling you, as a church, as a Christian, we need to find ways... To be around people, to spend time with people, to open up our lives to eat. Amen. I mean, anybody got a problem with that? Uh, amen. I mean, you can be an evangelist by taking somebody out to eat. Amen, or having somebody in your home. I mean, it's true. I mean, and so there's these ways that, by God's grace, we need to uh, try to reach people. Somebody said it this way: that before anybody knows how much you, cares how much you know, they want to know how much you care. Yeah. And I want to say something. I was thinking this as as Kurt was uh, teaching this morning. By the way, he's been doing a great job in Sunday school. He's teaching about different religions and false religions in the world. And this morning he he was teaching about Islam. And I'll just say this quick about Islam. Uh, initially, when Islam started, they said, uh, you know, they were commanded to go out and get converts either by the word or by the sword. If the word didn't do it, the, the sword would do it. Uh, and that's true. And there are still those that, that, that have that philosophy. But I want to tell you, they've also added another philosophy. But here's the bad thing. Just like a lot of false religions and cults and different things, they've stolen something I say, I'd say they stole it from us, but we kind of left it out in the backyard and wasn't using it anyway. And so they took it, so they probably wouldn't get in much trouble for stealing it. And that's this. One of the things they do is they'll go into it. When, when they work in the inner cities, they go into inner cities and guess what they do? They do good. They, 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 pass, they pass out food to the hungry. They pass out, uh, you know, uh, products and things that people need uh, for their homes and for, you know, hygiene and different things like this. They, sh- they try to show people that they care. And so now one of their tactics isn't just uh, by the word or by the sword, but it's also, you know what, those Christians aren't, aren't doing that anymore. Well, why don't we try that? Why don't we do that? But I'm telling you, as God's people, that's something we should be doing. We still should be trying to impact uh, our... And some people say, oh, it sounds like a social gospel. There's, there's people that that's all they do. But what I'm saying is we love people, care for people where they're at, try to be a blessing to people, and we share the gospel with them in, in, in our example as well as with our words as we share the truth with them. God loves people, amen? And uh, so I'll get back to this outline, amen? But God loves people. Okay, before the beginning... What was there before Genesis 1 1? And I can almost feel some people getting nervous about that. Amen. What was there before Genesis 1 1? The Bible tells us some things before Genesis 1 1. Number one, the Bible tells us that before there were before the beginning, there was a Savior. Before there was a sinner, there was a Savior. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. 1 Peter 1, 18-20, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, now listen, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifesting these last times, and I like this, for you. Amen. For you. But how about that? The Bible tells us before Genesis 1-1 that, he was, that Jesus Christ was foreordained before the foundation of the, uh, of the world. See, the lamb was spoken of in Genesis as well. Genesis 3.15, he said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. That's the first verbal prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Genesis 22, the Bible says, And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And, so, uh, and th- so there's the Lamb spoken of. Uh, this Lamb that was, was ordained, foreordained before the foundation of the world. He was spoken of in Genesis. He was manifested in, in the Gospel of John chapter 1. The Bible says in verse 29, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God. And the Bible says this. First uh, John chapter 1, verse 2. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. And then I like this one. 1 John 4, 9. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Before the beginning... There was a lamb. There was a Savior. So before there was ever a sinner, there was a Savior. See, it was not God's will. Uh, and this is where some people just get mixed up. And I'll tell you, I think, I think sometimes people make the Bible harder than it has to be. I really do. I believe if you just read the Bible and take what it says, I mean, listen, it's 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 not that hard to figure out. Not to say that there's not some challenging things, but what I mean to say is that people sometimes get their own little agendas and they have some founder that gets on some uh, wild hair and gets some thought in his head and he begins to teach this and then all of a sudden people begin to identify with this person. I've said that before, uh, that, 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 you know, 500 years ago when we talk about this, uh, before the beginning and God, God's, uh, providence, God being, having foreknowledge and all these things, these things are all true. But somebody come along years ago, John Calvin, and just kind of took this to an extreme. And so his followers became extreme and then they call themselves Calvinists. And it's like, people ask me, are you a Calvinist? I'm like, no. And they say, are you an Arminian? That's, that was another leader that took another doctrine to, to, a, to a total different extreme. Uh, and they were just kind of extreme. They were trying to out-extreme each other. Listen, I'm not interested in out-extre- out-extreming anybody, amen? I'm just going to stand on this book. Amen. By the help and grace of God. and uh, and, and so, I'm not going to identify with some joker from... 500 years ago, I'm a Calvinist. I'm an Arminian. No, I'm a Christian. Amen. I'm a Bible. I'm going back. John Calvin's not my leader. Jesus Christ is my leader. Amen. Amen. And uh, and so anyway, that's just me. A little rabbit trail there right quick. Soapbox. Okay. Uh, But notice this. I like what the Bible says here. Before the foundation of the world, before the beginning, there was a Lamb. The Bible says in Revelation 13, verse 8, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship Him. Whose names are not written in the book of the Lamb, uh, the, the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world slain from the foundation of the world so God knew man would sin although it wasn't God's will for man to sin God was prepared amen God knew that man would sin and uh, because there's say, why did God make people sin God didn't make anybody sin God gave man a free will and they chose to sin and when they did God was ready to provide a sacrifice amen the lamb slain from the foundation of the world so before the beginning there was a savior so before there was ever a sinner, there was a Savior. Before there was ever guilt, there was grace. So from the beginning, before the beginning, there was grace. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, the Bible says, "...who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace." And grace, listen, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. (laughs) So before the world began, before the beginning, there was grace. There was grace. What is grace? Grace is God's unmerited favor. Grace means that it is not of works. Grace means that God never put, told man that it's going to be by works that you're saved. And then put that out there and then God says, Oh man, it don't look like man's going to be able to keep the works. I better come up with another plan. It's never been that way. God knew from the beginning that we would need grace. Amen. Anybody glad that before the beginning there was grace? Amen. We need grace. Hallelujah. All right. And the Bible says this. Before man ever strayed. I like this because the idea of before the beginning there was grace means this. That before man ever strayed, there was grace to bring him home. Isaiah 53, verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. And then the Bible says this. Before man ever strayed, there was grace to bring him home. But before man ever sinned, there was grace to make him clean. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But it says, "Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through us in uh, in uh, in faith by faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of Christ." And so, before there was ever guilt, there was grace. Before there was ever sin, there was Jesus' blood was prepared to wash that sins those sins away before man ever became separated from God there was grace to reconcile him what I'm just trying to tell you is that before the beginning God already had a plan now I don't know about me and you but sometimes we set out and we we have a certain plan we have kind of a plan A, and we're not too good with plan B's, are we? And sometimes we think we have a plan B, but I'm telling you, have you ever been going around a course in your life, and then all of a sudden things not work out the way you thought they would, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh my goodness, what now? Have you ever been traveling and got turned around somewhere or the other, and, uh, and, now you, and, and you're lost? The the point that I'm trying to encourage you in this morning is that God's never been like that. God made this plan. And it's not like God said, okay, well, let's try this thing out. Let's set the world in motion. Let's give man a free will. Let's see how this thing goes. Then all of a sudden, God's running around in heaven like, oh my goodness, what now? Oh my goodness, what did He do? I never saw that. Oh my goodness, that person's how bad? They've done how much wrong? What are we going to do about that? No. No. God, folks, God had a plan from the beginning, amen. And I'm preaching primarily about His plan uh, concerning salvation. But I want to say this, last week we preached about God's plan as, as far as in your life and helping you through whatever it is that you may face. But I'm telling you, God's grace. Before man ever became separated from God, there was grace to reconcile Him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, the Bible says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to Himself, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation. What does this grace do? The Bible says in Titus chapter two, verse eleven, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Grace brings salvation, not works, right. not baptism, not doing better, not turning over a new leaf. Folks, what God accepts, what God's plan is this, because He knows us, God accepts this when we become before Him as bankrupt sinners, so to speak. And what I mean by that is this. We come saying, Lord, I don't have anything to offer. You know what God wants you to bring when you come to Him by grace through faith? He wants you to be honest about your sin. Yes. And He wants to be, you to be willing to offer your sin and say, Lord, if you will take my sin, I'll take your grace. Amen? Amen. And let me tell you something. He will take it as we'll see in just a moment. And so this grace that saves. And I want to say something else about this grace. This grace is sufficient. The Bible says in Romans 5.20, Moreover, the law entered in that the offense might abound. But folks, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. God's not surprised about where we are in our lives. I'll tell you something else going back to Sunday school. And I'm, I'm so glad uh, Kurt closed on this topic. Uh, on the, on this, the, the, one of the points he was making. Because God is not surprised by the influx of Muslims into this country. Now bear with me for a second. God is not surprised by that. And as God's people, you know what? We need to be willing to reach these people. Did you know that the rate of of Muslims being converted to Christianity in the world is a pretty pretty, remarkable rate? You know why? Because they don't have a religion of grace, folks. And they need grace. And I'm telling you, it's not just that we need grace. All men need grace. All need to hear the message of grace. And I'm telling you, these folks are coming to Christ. And, and I just got to encourage you here and, 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 and forgive the way I say it but and maybe everybody in here gets this but not every person that you see that's a Muslim wants to kill you Amen. and I hate to say it like that but I think there's some people that almost go around thinking that way. you know what there's people that need to hear it they need to hear the gospel of Christ they need to be engaged. I mean one of the, they, they need somebody to care about them you know what a lot of these people need I'll, I'll go back to my earlier point they need a friend. You know what the Bible says? It just says Jesus is a friend who's taken closer than a brother. You know what the Pharisees accused Jesus of being? A friend of sinners. A friend of sinners. We need to be a friend. Amen? And that does not mean that we begin to partake of evil things and all that thing. But it just means that we care about people. We invest in people's lives. Alright, so before, uh, before there was uh, any sin, there was grace. Before there was guilt, there was grace. And I want to tell you, I don't know what sins uh, you may be guilty of today, but I want to tell you something, there's grace enough for those sins. Amen? I don't know what problems you're facing in life. I don't know what your obstacles are today, but I'm telling you, there's grace enough to bring you through. You, it's easy to sit in a church or sit at home or sit somewhere and feel hopeless. It's easy to sit somewhere and feel like you are a lost cause. It's easy to sit somewhere and feel like you'll never get it. You'll never succeed. You'll never be anything. But I am here today to tell you the truth of God's Word. There's grace enough for God to change your life. He knows you. He cares about you. And let me tell you something else. You're sitting here and you're breathing and you're living and God's not done with you. You know why? Because where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. I'm glad when God saved my soul. When I, when, when I sin after I got saved, God doesn't say, oh my goodness. I didn't see that coming. What am I going to do now? Well, I guess I'm just going to quit. I guess I'm just done with them. No. God wants to restore you, amen. God wants you to get God wants you to confess your sin. God wants you to come clean. God, you know why? Because God wants to bless you, amen. God saved you. God saved every one of us with a big bundle, bundle of blessings in mind. Amen. God saved us to give us the abundant life. Our sins can get in the way of that. But I'm telling you, when they do, we need not say, well, I guess I'm hopeless. No, we need to do what the Bible says. We need to confess our sins, amen. Come clean of our sins. Repent of our sins. Turn to God. And and I'm telling you, the Bible says if we turn, He will bless us, amen. He will forgive us, amen. And so uh, before uh, there was ever guilt, there was grace. And then I want to say quickly, before there was ever the punishment of death, there was the promise of life. So before the beginning, before Genesis 1-1, there was already the promise of life. Notice this in Titus chapter 1. Verse 2. The Bible says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie. There's a couple things God cannot do. Do you know that? God cannot lie. But this is what it says. He promised before the world began. He promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested His Word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of, of God our Savior. So, the hope of eternal life. Listen, before there was ever the beginning, before the heavens and the earth, there was the promise of life. I love this verse. This is one I was referring to earlier. Those that come to Christ. John chapter 6, verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And listen to this. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Yes. Have you ever been bothered by people you've heard about coming to Christ? Did you know that there's, uh, that there's, uh, that there's serial killers that while in prison said they come to Christ? You know that bothers some people? You know, well, they're just trying to get off parole. Well, I know this. I'll tell you, the, the, the son of Sam, I forget his name. I hate that I can only remember that name. Um, That's a Polish name. What is it? Yeah, that, yeah Berkowitz. Okay. Uh, but but you, did you know that he, he, he professed to come to Christ in prison? But here's the thing. And, and just to, to alleviate any idea that he did it just to try to get parole, he doesn't even go to most of his parole. He says he does not want to get out of prison because of what he did. He feels like he should serve the time. But a lot of people feel like, it's just not right. But the point that I'm making is this. Jesus said, him that cometh to me, and I will in no wise cast out. Hey, there's a lot of people that may not want you. There's a lot of people in this world that aren't wanted. And let me tell you something else here quick. I keep going back to this point. One of the problems with this world, and one of the big problems with religion... Is this religion, it's, it's works-based, that churches that, that try to build themselves up with some sanctimonious bunch of baloney and all this stuff, they will cast people out. That's right, yes. There are certain people they don't want to come to their church. There are, there, are certain, there are certain people that their social status, ah, we don't really need that in here. Yeah. How much money do you got to give? Uh, well, uh, then uh, you're going to have to do a little bit better than that. You know, and you got all these problems, but I'm telling you something. Praise God, as 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 a church of the living God, as a New Testament church, that by God's grace will be, if people come to you, we will in no wise cast them out. Amen. We will preach the Bible. We will preach truth. Amen. We will preach uh, sin and repentance and everything. But I'm telling you this: we're not casting anybody out. Amen. We're wanting to bring people in. We're wanting to bring people in. We're not looking to cast somebody away that wants to come to Christ, that wants to come to salvation. Um, and uh, and I know some of y'all are thinking of some uh, some exceptions, but 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 bear with me at the point I'm making. There there's no exception to this. If a person comes to Christ for salvation, he's ready. He wants to save them. Amen. That's the point. They in no wise cast out, alright? So he knew for those, but but so before there was ever the idea of punishment for death, there was the promise of life. Um I like this. Genesis 22, verse 17, the Bible says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is athirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. <laughs> hey, listen, God is still saying, come, amen. Yes. And the message of the church ought to be, come to Christ, amen. Yes. Oh, well, I've committed this sin, and I'm in this sin. Hey, God can forgive you, amen. Yes. God can save you. Yes. God can rescue you from that sin, Hallelujah. Well, the Lord's good. Isn't He good? So before there was a beginning, folks, God had a plan. And then lastly, did you know this? Did you know that before there was ever a hell, there was a heaven? Before there was ever a hell, there was a heaven. The Bible says this, Um, in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 9 having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ which are both in heaven and and, and that are in earth folks God has a plan and so before there was ever a place called hell listen there was a place called heaven it's a, that's a place for redeemed people. Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He went on to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. And let me tell you something about this place called heaven. Uh, that is where God wants you to spend eternity. Amen. But you know we're not really there yet, are we? Let's all stand, and we'll be dismissed in just a moment. As Miss Kim comes, well, no, Miss Kim's. Uh, okay, all right. Uh, as Miss Kim comes, and uh, but listen. But as we sit here now, where do you stand with God? Have you confessed your sins to God? Have you humbled yourself? Have you turned to Christ? Have you accepted Him as your Savior, your Lord and Savior today? If you haven't, that's what you need to do. Amen? Because the Bible said that puts us in a standing with God that puts us with enmity, enemies, with God because of our sin. But Jesus shed His blood on the cross because He wants to be your friend. Amen? He wants to be your friend. He wants to save you. He wants to cleanse you from sin. He wants to put you in a right relationship with God. He wants to give you an abundant life here on earth. That does not mean a life exempt from troubles or trials. But it's an abundant life. It's a life that has things that money can't buy. And then ultimately, God wants you to be spending all eternity with Him. But I'd say this morning, if you're here today and you're not saved, it is not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He does not want any to perish. That perish speaks of a literal fiery burning hell, the lake of fire for all eternity. Before God ever made anything, He made a way for you to avoid that. Because let me tell you something. The lake of fire, that's meant for the devil and his angels. The devil and the demons of hell, that is to say. That's what that's that's made for. Not for you. It's not God's will for anybody to go to hell. It's It's God's will for all to be saved. So whose will is it for you to go to hell then? It's the devil's. But really, it's, it's it's you that decides. Will you accept Christ or will you reject Christ? When you stand before, we will all stand before God one day. You and I will stand before God one day. I'm glad today that when I stand before Him, I will not be standing before Him in the things that I have done. We'll give an account for our works, but with the, with the point that I'm trying to make as far as salvation is concerned. My only plea to get into heaven is this. And by the way, I'm as good as there. You know why? Because my faith is in Christ. He's the way. I have eternal life. And I'm, I, as, as I stand before God one day, it will not be, what did you do this? Did you do that? What did you do the other thing? Are you saved? Have you accepted Christ? And of course, that won't be a question there because it'll be clear, but understand my point. But what about you? God's given you an opportunity. God's given you an opportunity To accept his great love. Oh, wondrous love is this. Oh, wondrous love is this. Will you accept his grace today? Will you get forgiveness of your sins? Child of God, will you be encouraged today? He that spared, he that before he ever created the world had this plan for you. And here we sit anxious, worried, defeated because of our circumstances. That's not the way we ought to live our lives. That's not the way you have to live, child of God. Look to this great God of yours. He didn't, he didn't make all these plans to take care of your soul and then not be willing to take care of your groceries. Amen? And your health and your family... Your soul, he was willing to give his son for you. He's not forsaken you. Why is he letting me go through what I'm going through? I don't know. But I do know he loves you. And I know he knows better than you. And I know that you can trust him today. And I know that by God's grace, you can. If it's not well with your soul today, child of God, look to him. Let it be well with your soul. Let it be well with your soul. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, dear Lord, for the plan, your plans. God, we could preach a whole series on this. Before the beginning, you had a plan for our lives, not only salvation, certain spiritual gifts that you've given us, certain natural talents, God, and personality that you've given us, all these things you've given because you had a plan. You had something you wanted us to do. You had people you wanted us to reach. You had a service that you wanted us to carry out. You had a song that you wanted us to sing. Lord, help us, dear God, to follow your will, to submit to your will. And we'll thank you for that, Lord, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.